Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just thank you. I declare, Father, that you are so, so good. Jesus, you are good. Holy Spirit, we know you are already here and you are in us, but I invite you right now to just have your way in this service. Whatever it is that you want to do as we continue, God, I pray right now that you would help me. Give me grace. You know that I cannot speak unless you help. Give me grace to speak, like Paul said, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Anoint my words to pierce hearts, and I pray that everyone here would have a heart that receives and an ear that listens. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today is, uh, it's really special to me, um, not that it's, it's different, there's not like an occasion or anything today, but the message that I'm speaking about um, is something that has been on my heart for over a decade. Like, it's been something that I've just loved um, and I was just never able to step out and speak. And, you know, I've told you guys before, just a few years ago, just getting the message of identity and my sonship has, has really uh, uh, got me closer to God and then given me boldness to even walk out my calling and to do what I'm doing now. Um, but this message that I'm going to speak, I'm, it's like an honor. Yesterday I was talking to Melanie, and I think I mentioned this to Pastor Don, I can't remember, but I was just like, man, it's really special what I'm going to talk about today because for so, so long, I've wanted to share. I've had conversations with people. I've had, you know, at work and all that. But for me to actually uh, be able to share this message with you um, is very, very dear to me. And that message is the reality of God becoming a man. It's the reality of the word made flesh is what John chapter one says. And to be honest, a lot of times, let's think about this. Um, what gets preached most of the time on Easter? The cross, the resurrection, right? What gets preached on Christmas? Christmas, sorry. Jesus coming as a baby, the manger, the nativity scene and all that, right? And so this message today probably could go as a Christmas message. It's a great Christmas message. But I want to tell you boldly that what I'm going to talk about today is worth so much more than one service a year. It is worth so much more than the attention that we've given it in the body of Christ. It is like parts of the, of, the, of the foundation and the crux of our faith that God became a human being. When, when those simple realities hit you and it hits your heart, you begin to realize that he's a man. He's a man like us. He can walk into this room right now if he wanted. He can dim down his glory because obviously if he came in all of his glory, I'm not sure what would happen. But he, if he dims down his glory, just like he did when he showed up to the, uh, to the disciples after he resurrected, obviously he had to dim himself down. Something. He shows up to them, the road to Emmaus, all that. He can walk in the room and we can shake his hand. And we can give him a hug. He has hair. He has a beard. He has skin. He has blood running through his veins. And I love that. Guys, this is what makes our faith so awesome to where every other religion is man trying to get God. 
right? Every other religion is man trying to please God in some way. And they don't even know so many, they don't even know if they're forgiven. They don't know. It's, it's a life of turmoil. And you have Christianity. And I don't mean to sound like elitism, but, but let's be real. I'm strong in my faith in that Jesus is the only way. And I know some may not, of course, not everyone in here, everyone here is going to agree, but some may not agree, but, but Christianity, the one true quote unquote religion if you can call it that, we don't really, I don't call myself religious. You have God proving his love for us in that he comes to us. Religion tries to get to God and God says, "Uh uh-uh, this is something I have to do. And that just, to me, that proves, that like destroys the lie that he's distant from us. It completely destroys the lie, whether we feel it right now or not, because we can't see him by faith. It's, it's funny. I've never seen like our, our worship pastor, Matt Gilman. He he shared it here before. Some of you probably uh, maybe might not have been here that day, but he shared he this guy had a, a literal encounter with Jesus, like a road to Emmaus, like Jesus in the flesh. I know it sounds crazy, but Matt's not crazy. And I trust this guy. He showed up in the flesh and talked with him. And then took him to the new Jerusalem and showed him. He was, he was, sorry, I thought I muted. He was up, Jesus had him, and he was up in the sky looking down at the city. And he can see all the gold roads intertwining. And he got to experience this. And I'm not going to go over his whole, his whole encounter, but I think of that. And I remember when he was telling me, he said, I just remember because Jesus was behind him. He was holding him. And he was looking down and he said, he saw the hairs on his skin and he was just struck by the, by, by the fact that he is a man. Oh my goodness. Do we realize that a man made it to the throne of God? There's a man that sits on the throne. I'm getting so ahead of myself, but there's, there's Jesus is biblically, I wasn't going to go here yet, but let me, there's 1 Timothy Chapter two, verse five. I'll give you a second if you want to reach there. I think it might be on the, yeah, first Timothy. And it says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And Jesus, he stands. This is amazing. Picture God, guys, picture God on this side, my left, your right. And picture humanity, mankind on this side. Jesus in the flesh, because Before I go on, let me say this. He is 100% God, 100% man. Now, I know in our natural mind, that's kind of hard because you can't usually, you're either 50-50 or you're 60-40 or 70-30. It has to equal 100%. But God is 100% man and he's 100% God. That's, That's our faith. He never gave up his divinity. He is God. He was God. He always has been God. I'm going to go over some other scriptures that declare that and speak that. But you have God standing in Jesus. He is God. And he's standing before God on behalf of man. Oh, that's so powerful. He stands before God on behalf of man, the perfect slain lamb. And by his blood, we've been covered and our sins have been removed. And then he stands on behalf of God toward man. He's the mediator. He's he's the one that stands in the middle. He is the God man, the word made flesh. I love that. He stands on behalf of man to God and he stands to man 
on behalf of God. In fact, the only reason we even know what God is like, the only reason, is because he made himself known in the person of Jesus, period. Jesus made him known. So if you wanna know what God is like, look at Jesus. That is the most simple way you can do it. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says that Jesus is perfect theology. Theology, <laughs> the study of God. You know, we say theology and there's so many deep words and people that go really deep and it's awesome. In, in, in the Bible and all, all, this, all these different languages and all that stuff and it's awesome. We have some real theological minds that can go deep in it. But the best thing is Jesus is perfect theology. So if you don't see it in his life, then it's not the Father's. Because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's a whole other, whole other message that I'm not trying to go to right now. Um, but let's, let's turn to um, John chapter one, verses one through 15. I'm not gonna read all 15 verses. I'm gonna kinda scatter around, but John chapter one, verses one through 15. Thanks, Joe, you're awesome, bro. All right, John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, was the word. Now the word is being referenced as Jesus here. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. No, I'm sorry. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, not anything made that was made. And I'm going to skip down to verse 14 now. And the word became flesh and the word became flesh. You know that this Bible right here, our Bibles, whether it's physical or on, on our electronic devices, something that I forget time to time, I do, and I'm like, even this morning in worship, as I was thinking about the scriptures that I was gonna be speaking about, it says the word became flesh. That means that this Bible right here, every time we read it, we are literally reading and digesting Jesus. We're literally with him. Like we can't look at this Bible as just, it's not, I know we, we have the saying biblical instructions before leaving earth, you know, Bible, and that, that's cool that we can use that, that's fine. But it's more than that. It's the word, like the word is a man. That's what I was, that's the phrase I was getting this morning. The word is a man and his name is Jesus. It says the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. So this is just a clear picture of Jesus, the word made flesh. And so the thing that kind of set me on this journey, like I told you guys, um, it's been something that over a decade has been in my heart. And it's because um, in 07, my wife and I, I've, I've mentioned it before, we spent about four years in Kansas City, Missouri. I was doing some Bible schooling there in the International House of Prayer. Melanie was doing the Music Academy. And out of all the classes that I took on the Bible and different subjects, out of all the classes that I took, one of them was my favorite. And it was called The Excellencies of Christ. And it was by a man named Alan Hood. And honestly, I have not heard anyone speak on Jesus the way Alan Hood can speak on Jesus. It, he, he has spent so much time in the subject that he talks about him literally like as his older brother. It, it's amazing to hear this guy talk about it. And so this class was called Excellencies of Christ. And it would talk about 
all of like just literally the person of Jesus, everything about Jesus. And I'm like, before, that's when I was only maybe rededicated my life just a couple years and some two, three years or something like that. And when I got there, my, Melanie as well, we had no idea that you can go this deep. We had, no, we had no idea that there were people that thought of these things. And I'm going to go over some really cool things that will get us to, to kind of ponder and, and think differently about this God whom we serve. And it's really cool. I got some cool stuff to share with you guys. But so in this class was the excellencies of Christ. And it, it would, uh, he would talk about the pre-incarnate Jesus, which was Jesus before he became uh, flesh and was born as a baby or, you know, begotten as a baby. And then, you know, many believe that uh, the angel of the Lord, when, it, when in your scriptures, when you're reading Old Testament, is a capital A for the angel of the Lord, that it refers to Jesus, or he was the fourth person that was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or he was the man that wrestled with Jacob. And they see all these scenes in the Old Testament that look like Jesus showing up. And then there's his, his, the, the cross or crucifixion. There's his divinity, meaning that he is 100% God. That's all the divinity part means. But even out of all that, there was one subject that, that, that gripped my heart and has been with me ever since, and it was his humanity. There was something about it that drew me because it made me realize how near he's came, he's come, how, how he is so acquainted with our frame. He's so acquainted with our flesh, our body, Flesh doesn't always mean something negative, by the way. It's, I know we, we, we always say, I was in the flesh, and I was, we, we mean, you know, it doesn't, it, it can, but it doesn't always. Jesus was manifested in the flesh. He never sinned. The word became flesh. He never sinned. So it doesn't always mean that. Um, so yeah, so I just, there was something about it that just drew me. And I want to read this quote that comes from um, this book called Prayer, and um, it's a very old book, and the guy's name, if I even tried to pronounce it, I won't succeed. His name is like, thank God for Google. You know how Google will finish what you're going to say, and you know, I don't know how it does it, all this stuff, but the, the guy's name is Hans Urs von Balthasar, or something like that. And I just start typing Hans Urs V, and I know, right? V, and then it just came up. I was like, thank you, because I have no idea how to, how to spell that. But there's this quote from him, and I love this. This is kind of giving the example of what I'm talking about here. He says, standing in awe of God is one thing. Loving him is quite another thing. You can go through God, you can go through life obedient and struck by his awesomeness, but it's quite another thing to be struck by his tenderness, to be tender towards God. When you know his humanity and tender acquaintance with your frame, your heart feels safe to move towards him and ask him questions you normally would not ask. It is sheer joy to enjoy your older brother in dialogue and in worship, free to love him with your particular personality. This is joy, to enjoy yourself enjoying him. I love that. He said, standing in awe of God is one thing. Loving him is quite another thing. You have this God that we are completely in awe of, we're in awe of his majesty. The angels, like Matt was saying a few weeks ago on that Thursday, he, he spoke on worship. I thought he did an amazing job. And he was talking about the seraphim and, 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 and the cherubim and these angels that literally God formed them. This is so crazy. God creates creatures and then puts eyes all over them. 
Isn't that weird? Can you imagine a creature, eyes everywhere? Their whole body's filled with eyes. And then this is their job description. Look at me. Seriously. Eyes everywhere. This is what you're going to do for the rest of your existence. You're going to look at me. And you have these angels that have been doing that for who knows how long, and they are undone completely. And when they cry holy, they're not just saying pure. God, you're pure. God, you're... Holiness is not just that. They're actually declaring a word transcendence. You are, you are completely other than. I, I've never seen anything like you. Nothing. Even in the, in, in the word when, 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 uh, when the disciples or John or, or Ezekiel, they would get encountered. They would say, he's kind of like this. He's like this. It's not, that's the best earthly thing that I have. He's like this and he's like that. Never like he's uncreated. And I want to camp here for a second because I want us to realize, before I move on, I want us to realize the magnitude. See, we, when we say God became a man, it's almost like we've only known what it means to be human. We don't know anything else. So we're kind of like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. God became a man. No. Would you become an ant to save an ant farm and remain an ant forever? Like, like let that change our perspective a little bit. What a downgrade. We're talking about uncreated God. Just, just this past week, I was getting hit. I was in prayer. I got hit with this revelation. You guys might think it's silly. You ever had a revelation hit your heart and you try to share it with someone else and you don't get the same reaction and you're like, you know, you're like waiting, wait, you're supposed to be weeping right now. And there's like, oh, that was cool. And just, it's because sometimes you know how it is. And sometimes God gives you the revelation and it makes you weep and your heart is on fire, but it's just, and not that it's a wrong revelation, it's just God gave it to you. And so it's kind of simple, it's, it's silly, but it was hitting me this week. And I was like over here looking like a madman, thinking no one's in the room, and I'm, and I'm shouting, the, the infinite ability for God to create. And I thought of something as simple as our fingerprint. How are there seven and a half billion people on the earth and not one has the same fingerprint. What? That amazes me. I was over here shouting like, how, 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 how can, not even identical twins, how can you think of, you look at your finger, how can you think of so many different patterns? How does that work? Seven, seven and a half billion people not including everyone that, is, that has lived before when it's all said and done. And you know what that tells me? We're all unique. That's why no one can love God the way that you guys can. No one. No one. We, we're not talking about strength here. Like, oh, that person seems to love God more than I do. And that person seems, man, he's passionate or she's passionate. No. Guess what? If you don't love him, he's missing out on you. He made you. Each and every person. You have your own fingerprint. There's only you. When he looks at you, he only sees you. I don't know how he does it, because there's a lot of people, but he sees you. You have your unique fingerprint. I was just amazed by that this week. And so God has this unlimited ability to create. He, it says, in the beginning was God. Here's another thing that's going to that's blow your mind. Where did God come from? You ever thought of that? I've only thought of that but so long before my brain's about to explode and I realize I'm not going to get it. I'm just human. We use a small percentage of our brain. Even in eternity, we won't get it. 
in the beginning, God. If, okay, you made us, you made, who made you? And I, I challenge you to think of that for at least five minutes and you're gonna go crazy because it'll either do this, calls you an unbelief and then you become an atheist like some people have <laughs> or it'll, it'll cause me because I know him. I know him, I can't doubt him. It will cause me to stand in awe of him and say, God, I don't get it, but I worship you. I don't get the Trinity fully, but I worship you. And so God was always, another thing that causes me um, to get that way, and I don't mean to go on a bunny chair or nothing, but eternity, thinking about that too. Like I'm gonna be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, a million years, two million years, 500 million, just keep going. It never ends. Things, that, things that'll blow your mind in the kingdom, right? And so the, I'm trying to paint this picture. You have this amazing God, all right? I think we can go on forever. I'll, I'll stop there. But you have that. And it's like, I can, I can imagine, I like to use my whole imagination. And, and I'm, we don't know if this happened. Can you imagine the angels who have been worshiping this God that I've just explained, the God that we serve. Can you imagine the angels witnessing the birth? And just for a moment, looking at this baby and saying, how did that get in that? How did he do it? How did this become this whimpering little baby? I mean, those are the kind of things that if you peer even deeper and go even deeper, you start to just, oh my God, you're so good. You did all this for me? You did all this for me? There's something I want to read here. It's from, it's from this other book. Actually, I don't, even, I don't even know. It came out of my notes from that class. <clears throat> I had to like modernize it because it was like written in like this King James, thou, thee, and all that stuff. <laughs> And I wanted to make it, excuse me, I wanted to make it a little easier for us, but I'm going to read through this and it's just some more stuff to just, to just help you ponder. The reason why, the reason why I'm, I'm speaking about this today, again, like I said, I feel like it's worth way more than to visit it once a year. You, you meditate on this, you think about these things, I promise you, it, it'll draw you closer to Jesus. In fact, when we worship here, when we're done, uh, when I close off in the word in a, in a little bit and we go back to worship, that's what I want you to picture. I want you to picture his nearness. I want you to picture he became a man. Like he, he, he came to us. I'm gonna read this, check this out. It says, my Jesus, supreme and true God, what has drawn you from heaven to be born in a cold stable? Is it not the love which you bear on all men? What has allured you from the bosom of your father? to place you in a hard manger? What has brought you from your throne above the stars to lay down on a little straw? What has led you from the midst of the nine choirs of angels to now sit between two animals? You who set the seraphim ablaze with holy fire are now shivering in this cold stable. You, you who set the stars in the sky in motion now cannot move unless others carry you in their arms. Think about this. You who give men and beasts their food has now need of a little milk to sustain your life. 
You who are the joy of heaven, now whimper and cry in suffering. Tell me, who has you reduced you? Who has reduced you to such misery? Love has done it. The love which you bear on all men has brought this all on you. He had to be nursed on his mother's breast to survive. God, I mean, that's a lot of pressure on Mary, huh? My goodness, I wonder, like, she must, have, <laughs> she, she must have been given some serious grace to, like, not freak out and not want to, like, stare at him all the time because, I mean, goodness, she had to raise him. Y'all ever seen, you've seen the, the Passion, of, I'm sure you guys have seen Passion of the Christ. You remember that scene when they kind of showed some scenes when he was a little boy and, and he scraped and fell down and, and his mother was, like, running out to him? I mean, like, he was a little boy. I mean, I have two boys I mean, he was, he was a little boy. Before I keep going, there's one more scripture I want to read. This one's for sure going to, you guys are going to think of a Christmas, Christmas thing when, when I say this, but, and there's a neighbor's. Um, Luke chapter two, uh, verses eight through 19. I'm going to try to speed it up here for sake of time. Luke chapter two. I'm going to read the beginning a little fast. Um, just follow me here. And then the very last is what I'm going to elaborate on. Is it up? Awesome. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Side note, I just love this. The angel shows up and look what he says. Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy. If what we've heard in the gospel doesn't sound like good news, it's probably not the gospel or at least the full extent of it. Just could be the gospel is good news. It'll cut you to the heart and it'll call you to something, but it's amazing news. Let me keep going. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased, with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I love this, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. See this thing. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. They're like, I don't even know what they're talking about. I kind of know, but let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying, and they told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So they get there, they tell them what just happened, and all of them were in awe, and they were wondering of what just happened. But I love this part. This is where I want to elaborate. Verse 19, it says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That's the purpose of this message today. I want you to ponder all these things in your heart. Things to ponder. Mary is now holding a baby in her arms 
recalling when the angel Gabriel first showed up to her, recalling the fact that she knows she has not known a man, if you know what I mean. Other people might have had their gossip and said, oh, whatever, I don't believe it. You know how you get pregnant. She knows she had not known a man. She's holding this baby in her arms. But get this, he looks like her. He has her features. I mean, he, it wasn't Joseph's features he was going to have. He had nothing to do with it in the natural. I imagine him having the same eyes as his mama. I imagine him having the same fingers and toes and, and same complexion. And Mary is pondering things and said, I know, I know he's God. I know he's Emmanuel, God with us, but, but he looks like me. Isn't that something? Isn't that something that Jesus would choose not to come as a full-grown man, buff, diesel, swole up, <laughs> in a palace, with every perfect thing happening? No, 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 no. He comes, he gets born in a place where there's no other place to go. He's, he's raised probably in the hood because it's the same stigma. Can nothing good come out of Nazareth? Come on, what do we say about other areas that are not, can anything good come? This guy, this guy, Jesus, sorry, I feel bad for saying this guy, but Jesus, he comes and he takes on all of our stages of life. Four years old, six years old, the awkward stages, the, all these like the missing teeth. I mean, he missed, he lost some teeth when he was however old, I care, five, six years old. He lost some teeth. He takes on every stage of life. I'm going to close here in a few minutes so worship team can come up. I'm going to read off to, to you guys something else that's going to help you even ponder this even more. Um, oh, wait, I almost forgot that. I'm glad I wrote that in. This is, this is funny. As a joke, um, Alan Hood, the, the guy I was telling you guys who used to teach this class, Excellencies of Christ, um, he's a funny guy. And so he was... He was um, Saying this, he has this joke one time and says, listen, I'll be very clear about my theology about Jesus. I'll be very clear as far as like, we don't worship her. We don't pray to her. She's, but he goes, but I will not say anything about Jesus's mama. And he goes, let me tell you something. I know my theology, but I ain't saying a word about his mama. I don't want to get to heaven one day. And Jesus tell me, man, everything you good. That was awesome. That was this is, but one thing. What'd you say about my mama? <laughs> I, I first, he, he says it so much better, but I, I first heard that. I'm like, oh man, I got to share that. I, re, I, I remember that. That is just so funny. What'd you say about my mama? He's a real man. That's his mom. I mean, you guys know he's uncreated, but in the flesh, that's his mama. As we soon come to a close, I want to read um, something called, how many of you guys know? I, I think a lot of people do. Max Lakato, you guys know who he is, amazing storyteller, writes a lot of children's stuff, and Donnie knows uh, a whole lot more about him than I do, but um, he has something called the 25 questions that he would ask Mary. He probably has 100 more, but 25 questions that he would ask Mary. And um, I'm going to read through them really quick, and some of them are just funny. It's just things that, that this is what it looks like to, to ponder. This is what it looks like to really think, like, God, God might give you a revelation I've never had. Like, do it. And then if you get one, please come tell me. Like, God might give you a revelation about this that I've never touched. But I'm going to read through these. 
Max Licato's 25 questions for Mary. What was it like watching him pray? How did he respond when he saw other kids giggling during the service at synagogue? When he saw a rainbow, did he ever mention a flood? Did you ever feel awkward teaching him how he created the world? When he saw a lamb being led to the slaughter, did he act differently? Did you ever see him with a distant look on his face as if he were listening to someone you couldn't hear? How did he act at funerals? I mean, think of this thing. Think of these things. Mary raised him. How did he act at funerals? Did the thought ever occur to you that the God to whom you were praying was asleep under your own roof? Did you ever try to count the stars with him and succeed? Did he ever come home with a black eye? I mean, think about that. How did Je this is not his, but how did Jesus deal with the neighborhood bully? Who knows? How did Jesus deal? I mean, come on, guys, this is real. This is real stuff that happened. Jesus saw all this stuff. How did he act when he got his first haircut? Did he have any friends by the name of Judas? Did he do well in school? Did you ever scold him? Did he ever have to ask a question about scripture? What do you think he thought when he saw a prostitute offering herself to the highest bidder, the body that he made? Did he ever get angry when someone, when, when they were dishonest with him? Did you ever catch him pensively looking at the flesh on his own arm while holding a cloud of dirt in the other? Since from dirt we came, can you imagine him like? Did he ever wake up afraid? Who was his best friend? When someone referred to Satan, how did he act? I'm almost done. Did you ever accidentally call him father? What did he and his cousin John talk about as kids? You guys know John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins or distance cousins or something. Did his, did, his old, did his other brothers and sisters understand what was happening? And I like this. This is the last one. Did you ever think that's God eating my soup? Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.